You know what that music means. Yes, it is Sunday morning on Triple H 100.1 FM and you are listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy. If you haven't joined us before, this is a show that covers health and well-being through connection to people. People in our community and people beyond who share with us their experiences, their decision-making and consequences. And regardless of age, their innate wisdom. By discerning and getting a sense of what is transferable from what these guests share, we can choose to apply the relevant aspects in our lives and in our communities and develop programs that found more sustainable, loving and heartfelt ways to be with each other, thereby improving our physical and our mental health. I have been truly shaken this week by all that I have seen, read, watched and listened to. I think it's been coming for a long time and I think this week was just... I just actually felt enough is enough and we and we have an opportunity to really talk about this. I certainly do because I have the privilege of this radio show to use the, the opportunity to share with you, the listeners, and the family that we are in this community about things that happen perhaps a long way away that actually affect each and every one of us in our very own homes and in our bodies. I can't fathom being able to explain it in, in any way, the things that shook me this week. I can't explain them because it doesn't make any of them any less appalling. And I'm talking about the abuse we see in our lives and in the world that we take as normal. The numbing that we have gone to from what we have taken and we have seen, the little things that we've let slide that end up in our society waking up when we see a five-year-old stabbed in a domestic violence situation. It wasn't enough that a 12-year-old was beaten with a cricket bat by his father in another domestic violence situation. This week, we've heard of two people in the public eye taking their own lives. Two people who had depression, who had history of uh, drug abuse, of alcohol abuse. A man who thought that it was okay to carry on drinking when so many other people with ab- who have abused drugs have said, look, I had to just stop all forms of drugs and alcohol being one of them. He felt that he could beat whatever it was that he was fighting, but he didn't. He didn't manage to do it because he didn't address what was going on underneath. And sadly, the world has has lost um, a young boy who grew into a man, who grew into an older man, who became very famous and is no longer with us. Those are the two that we heard about this week. But what about all the people that we didn't hear about? What about the thousands that call Lifeline? What about the thousands that call Lifeline and don't follow through because someone has connected with them? What about all the children, the school children, the young people who are struggling? Who Depression is higher than ever before in school. Anxiety is higher than ever before in young people. What is going on that we are not wanting to look at that is causing this high level of anxiety in our people, 
What don't they feel equipped to manage? What do they feel is so wrong with their lives and with the world that we cannot be a support to them that the only option is to take their lives? And at what point do we sit up and say, what has our world come to and why have we left it so long before we're prepared to do anything about it? I would hazard a guess, and I know I have said this so many times in previous shows, that there are so many charities and so many causes that we sign up to and that we get passionate about when it hits home. When someone we know gets dementia, all of a sudden we want to fight to make sure that other people don't get dementia. If someone we know gets cancer, we want to make sure that no one else has to go through what we've been through. We're prepared to walk, we're prepared to run, we're prepared to climb, climb mountains, to shave our head, to, to, to go out on a march. But why weren't we prepared to do that when we heard about it happening to someone that we don't know, that we don't care about, that doesn't touch our lives? Why, do, why is there a separation between what happens and, and directly affects us? And what happens to someone else and doesn't directly affect us? I wonder, because I, I'm a white ribbon advocate, I haven't had domestic violence affect me directly in my life. But I've known way too many women who have had domestic violence in their lives. I see it each week in the places that I work and the people that I work with, I see the fear in their behavior, in their eyes, in the way they speak. I see it in the children who don't want to stand up and speak out or if they see something that's wrong. They're afraid to say to an adult that what they're doing is wrong or abusive or unkind or illogical. It, you know, one woman being beaten up should be enough. One man being beaten up is enough. We've now started looking at you know, we, how, how we ever came to an expression called king hit, I do not know. But the coward punch, how did, how did it take so many young people, young boys to be in a coma, to be damaged, to be killed for us to say that we have to do something about young people and their drinking and going out. I, I just wonder, and I wonder for me too, why have I spent so much of my life not speaking out to finally this morning go, I cannot hold it back any longer. I can't. You know, the we, we class people by their vulnerability. When the Titanic was sinking, the men had to stay back. They put the women and children on the boat. They're seen as vulnerable. And in fact, the children are seen as most vulnerable. Old people are seen as equally vulnerable. But the old people haven't got that much longer to live. So, you know, let's give the life to the people who, who have got that much longer to live. No one hurts any less. That there's no less pain involved in any of those people, regardless of age, regardless of their background, regardless of how toughened up they've been. We are all so sensitive when you take away the layers of protection. We all feel vulnerable. 
We're fragile and tender beings. What we've done really well is we've built a variety of defences and coping mechanisms to be able to withstand the onslaught of man's inhumanity to man. We've turned a blind eye. We've said we can't be the change. And we've gone to alcohol. We've gone to drugs. We've gone to working really hard. We've gone to doing really well at school. We've gone to recognition, to to, to needing recognition. We've gone to needing acceptance from our fellow man. And that acceptance has meant, that need for acceptance has meant that we will allow an abuse or a corruption to go because we don't want to be out of that club. And it starts at school by wanting to be part of the in-group or the safe crowd. I wonder if we can ignore it in this part of the world. I wonder if, if you might decide to turn off the radio so you don't have to listen to this. So you don't have to listen to me say, we have to be the change we want to see in our lives and in the world. But we can turn the television off here, can't we? We can turn the radio off. We can choose not to read the papers because they depress us. We can choose not to know what's happening in Rohingya. We can choose not to have noticed that another boatload of refugees died last week. We can choose because we couldn't do anything about it because they're not putting the, the pictures of dead babies' bodies on our front page. We can choose to look the other way and say it isn't happening. We're not living in Greece, so we're not seeing the people still coming through our country. We can say it's all too painful and we have to look away because it's affecting us. And you know what? Perhaps it is. Perhaps we do need to be very careful about how we look after ourselves so we can observe and not absorb what we read and what we see. A quote attributed to Edward Burke says, The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Each, of, each and every one of us have a potential to do something. So this episode is going to point out a couple of things that I've connected to that really fire me up. Respect can only come when we have a level of decency that we live as our normal. The Me Too campaign has thrown up a whole load of discussion around what is acceptable and not acceptable, what is decent and not decent. I've wanted to do a show on Me Too for so long and there has been a part of me that hasn't been able to do it because I too have had that feeling of... Um, a silent threat to not speak up and not speak out. You know, one of the most common things that happens when something goes wrong in an online forum, when the, the tide turns and it gets a bit nasty, is the threat of rape um, is thrown out. It's thrown out willy-nilly. It doesn't... Do, you know, it doesn't. The person who's doing it uh, doesn't think anything of it. You know, it's just like a power game. But if we forget, if we ignore the threat of rape, if we let it go, then we actually start numbing 
to the impact of that threat of rape of the person on the receiving end of it. And let me tell you, when someone writes that you deserve to be raped online, the person who is reading that may pretend that they're not bothered by it, but there is a little part of them that makes them look slightly differently as they walk out of that house, as they walk along the street, as they walk anywhere. Like you, it doesn't not affect you. Words are incredibly powerful and they are, they insidiously sit in our consciousness and our subconsciousness and they work their way through to our bodies and then they will sit in our bodies waiting for the appropriate moment to be a memory, to be triggered again. I remember um, one of the leading, uh, a Facebook uh, discussion, uh, a woman called Monica Lewinsky, who had an affair with the then president of the United States, Bill Clinton. I've spoken about this one before. Um, She was very young. She was an intern and he abused his position and they had a sexual relationship which was then spread across every um, newspaper it, it it brought down uh, the then president and she was a pariah she was blamed she was uh, named she she had so many threats against her it was unbelievable years and years later um, she uh, changed her life and for the first time she actually started speaking about the trauma of that experience what happened was that there was a vitriolic outpouring. In fact, it wasn't all vitriolic. There was um, there was an outpouring of comments on this uh, Facebook post, on this, uh, you know, when it was posted. And there was uh, a moderator who said, you know what, what would happen if I stop allowing those comments? Now, we might say, wow, that's an impeachment of like free speech. You have no right to stop someone being able to say what they want. Well, you know what? If you're going to abuse someone, actually, is that free speech or is that abuse? And do we actually need to call it for what it is? You're abusing someone. Why should we say it's okay? If you were throwing punches, the police would be stepping in there and saying, you're arrested. Just because you're being verbally abusive... They're starting now to say that, that that you can be arrested for that if you do it face-to-face. But if you do it online, wow, you know what? It's free-for-all. Let's go for it. What happened with the Monica Lewinsky situation is the moderator stopped allowing those just plain nasty comments of rape, of, you know, you deserved it, you, you know, I, I, I don't even want to give air to that. But what, what happened is that the, the, those comments stopped coming through as much. So what do we feed by letting those comments through? What do we feed in our groups when we laugh off some of those comments? What do we feed when we're in our mate, with our mates, be they male or female, and we're having banter about sexual prowess or what someone did or what someone's done or, you know, um, even the jokes about women and the sexual innuendo. What do we allow when we allow that? You know, computers aren't abusive. Humans who use them are the ones who are abusive. And I wonder, 
um, after this week, what part the media plays in this. So I happen to have caught sight of a number of episodes of The Handmaid's Tale. Now, I haven't watched it. Um, I remember my daughter reading it for her um, for H- her HSC. It was one of the um, subjects that she studied. I should have read the book, didn't read the book. But I was intrigued by um, what they were saying about it. I was intrigued by the um, essays that she wrote that, that she wrote on it. Anyway, the TV show comes around and, um, yeah, look, that's a topic that I'm sure I would love. The uh, denigration of women, the fact that we've um, got a society where the denigration of women is so bad that someone has come into power and turned around um, the role of women. I don't know any more about that book or that program than that, okay? So I'm just going to put that out there. I do not know. I'm not commenting on that. What I do know is that the sex is so graphic and so violent that I felt traumatized in my body by what I was seeing in passing through a room um, on the television, And it's a complete abuse of women. It's a denigration of women. It's... It, it shocked me to the bone that we have that on our television as entertainment. Like, I, I... That was porn to me. And I look at it and I think there is an actress that needed to play that part, that possibly chose to take that part. Um, I don't know. I can't get into that person's brain. I can't get into that person's, person's decision-making. But why? Why would we choose to have programs like that? Why? Why? My question is, I wonder if there is a part of us that knows that that goes on and that is where we're heading in a Trump era and we're trying to shock people into saying we have to be the change we want to see. I don't know. Even the strong women that I saw in a a strong woman that I saw in a movie last night, um, she was using sex as her power. It was dominant. Uh, Sex isn't about dominance. It shouldn't be about dominance. It's about love. It's not about relief. It's about connection. Well, have we gone so far that we don't realize what it is to make love to each other? That sexual intercourse is is a relief. The porn is a relief. It's 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 filling a gap for the love that we're missing in our lives. Look again, you know, maybe this is just me, but I love love. I live love. I value love. I value my children. I value the babies that are born into this world. And I worry about them growing up with that being our normal, because I think it numbs us to the rape that's happening around the country and in our communities and sometimes in our homes and to our children. And it numbs us to the appallingness of that until it hits home. But it hits home because we have ignored it when it's not affecting us. And so I feel that we really need to understand the importance of this Me Too movement, how widespread it is, 
and how important it is for men to, to stop that conversation when you hear it, to stop laughing about it, to stop saying it's okay, to, to call it out when you see it in your workplace. And for women not to play the game of thinking that, you know, we have to harden and say it's okay to justify um, some of the the abuse that we have taken as normal, we have to say it's not okay and we have to say we're hurt by it and we're bothered by it because otherwise we cannot stop the, um, the, the feeding of this from our media, from our news. Uh, we'll not be able to stop the fact that the documentaries that bring the awareness of what's going on in these other countries, the abuse of children, the abuse of women, we'll see it in documentaries, we'll turn it off, we'll say, God, that's awful. Heavens, that's just, how can that happen? And then we'll turn on something on television that just distracts us from it. Or we'll go and eat something so that we can stimulate ourselves so that we don't have to sit with it. We'll feel powerless because it's happening so far away. We can't get away from the fact that we've got a warped sense of normal and sexual abuse and seven... And actually, let me just give you the statistics. 17% of women and 4% of men have experienced sexual assault since the age of 15. Now, that is a Bureau of Statistics from 2012. We're now 2018 and I know from the people that I have spoken to and actually from the new statistics that came out in 2016 that that is higher. University found that 20.6% of women and 10% of men uh, reported non-penetrative childhood sexual abuse by the age of 16. I mean, hello. 93% of offenders are male, but that means that 7% are female. Only one in six reported it to the police. And you know, one in six is a lot, but only one in six reported it to the police. Only 17% reported sexual offences resulted in a conviction. So how many people feel that it's not worth doing, all of that's not worth going through because someone isn't going to believe them? This morning I have been talking about abuse about the abuse we've taken as normal in our lives and in the world and the effect that that has. I know that when I first started connecting to this, I actually thought, I actually found that it was a little like um, giving up, that I really struggled with the idea of um, knowing where to start or knowing how I could be. I was so ashamed at what humans were capable of. And knowing that we all came from the same source, I was wondering what made me different to anybody else. I wondered how I, living the life that I live, um, the, the privileged life that I live, could make any change, could make any ripple effect in that. And then I wondered, well... If not me, then who? And if not now, then when? And when I considered people through history who stood up and stood out and did so at great cost to themselves, what if they had said, 
Why me? Why now? It's too big for me. I then really felt okay. So am I in a position that I can make a difference? Am I in a position that I can support anybody else? And I had to be honest and say, I was exhausted. I was tired. And yes, I was, I could do all of that, but actually I was really struggling to give of myself because my glass was pretty empty because I was so busy trying to save the world and make this world a better place. Because you see, as a child, I knew that this world needed more love. And as a child, like any other child that is born, we know love because it is who we are. I knew what was right. I just was too afraid to do it. I knew that I shouldn't bully people in my class and in my year, but I was too afraid to stand out and speak up and say, don't call that girl a stick insect for being cold, for being skinny. Don't do that. And I didn't. And to this day, I know that I contributed to that beautiful, beautiful girl's poor mental health. I know that I contributed by my silence and, and my very loud allowing of those comments to fly and laughing. Because sometimes, you know, I genuinely thought they were funny. But I wasn't on the receiving end of, end of any of those comments, was I? Therefore, how funny was it? I know that she will have nothing to do with anybody from our year now. I heard that from one of her, her, who was her best friend. She won't have anything to do with any of us. That was a real moment for me to go, what part did I play in that? And how many other of these moments have I had in my life? If I, if I live in a way that I've got a private life at home and I've got a public life outside, how comfortable would I be if we lifted the lid on my house and put on display everything that I do at home out in the world? You know, I've talked about this before, but I'll say it again. When I was um, a new mum, I mean, I, got, I had postnatal depression when, um, when by, after my third, after my third child. I think I probably had it after... Um, my second, but I just dealt dealt with it. You don't, you know. I didn't. I just got on with it. But by the third, I really, I really became someone that I didn't know. By the time I had three children under six, and I was exhausted, I was a pretty unpleasant person. I um, had a face for how I would be outside the home, and I had another face for how I would be inside the home. And I think probably uh, my husband would have divorced me had we not actually got some um, help and I had not got honest about what I was doing for everybody else and not for me. There is a part that we choose to accept about ourselves and there's a part that we kind of just push down. 
But what ha- what I found happened was that my glass that was very empty that I was so willing to give to everybody else meant that the bit that was left with my family, I would be rude to my kids. I would be unkind to them. I would shout at them when I was tired and it wasn't their fault. I would not have time to spend with my husband, to, to spend with the person that I'd chosen to spend my whole life with. You know, in my mind, I didn't get married willy-nilly. I got married knowing that I loved this man and I was prepared to commit and deepen the relationship with him. It was really interesting having Jean Gamble on the show last week and really looking at what a marriage is, what a relationship is and why and how relationship breakdowns happen. I remember... Um, thinking, you know, if the lid was lifted and if I spoke to my children and my husband the way I speak to my boss or, you know, someone that I really admire, and it's different, why is it different? How dare it be different? Do I want someone's approval more than another? Am I prepared to, you know, spew out in my home because I know they love me when I know that someone doesn't and they might not accept me or, you know, be part of the group? So I put this out there because I think this is the way we can build um, ourselves so that actually we are in a position to make a difference in the world. I think we start right at home by lifting the lid, by asking ourselves, how kind are we to ourselves in our, in our, own, in our own private thinking? Do we have stinking thinking? You know, is it fairly abusive towards ourselves? And if it is, well, let's turn that around. Let's try not to be like that. Because if those thoughts are going through our minds, we're actually going to respect ourselves less because we're not having a level of decency in the respect that we have for ourselves. And if you don't have a level of decency with yourself, you can't respect yourself. So building that I am going to propose, because this is the way I have learned how to do it, is actually it comes from your body. By bringing a different movement into your body, by bringing some love and tenderness and care and attention to your body. And this happens by um, bringing uh, practices, by committing to practices, to laying seeds, sowing seeds that can come to, uh, that can grow into amazing flowers later. They can bloom later, but let's sow the seed. If it's just a concept, sow the concept of self-love. I looked at how I was moving at how I went to the gym. To be honest with you, I stopped going to the gym at all because my going to the gym was full of drive. It was full of, I can do this. I can push through this. I'm going to beat myself up. I'm going to, yeah, let's try boxer size. Let's try high intensity activity. The adrenaline rush it gave me was fantastic. Like I could push through, but the hardness in my body meant that I was then able to push through when I was tired. I uh, drank heaps of alcohol. I ate heaps of sugar. I just ate, full stop. Um, I needed salt in all of my food. I mean, everything was about stimulation, which affected my sleep, which meant that I was tired, which meant that I needed all of those things. Can you see the pattern? So where do we go on this racetrack of craziness? Where do we take a pit stop? And are we prepared to be the change that we need to see in our lives. Alison Moyer's song was actually a good one to choose because the, 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 the song, the words that kept coming again and again and again is, is this love? Never stop asking, is this love? 
is this what I would ask or I would do with my one and a half year old? Would I say, get up off the floor, get back to those weights, look at that fat on your body, build some muscle, come on. I, you know what, I would not say that to my little baby that comes out full of blubber. It doesn't have any muscles because it hasn't needed any muscles. But do I tell it it's fat and it's blubby and it needs to build some muscles and get to the gym? No, I don't. I don't. None of us do. So why do we have this obsession with making sure that we overdo the muscles? We need the muscles that we need to make our bodies efficient to work in life. I, I'm very in tune with obesity. I'm, you know, it's something that I'm working on a lot in my research and my, in my studies. So I know that exercise is very, very important, that having a body fit for life is very important. But being fit for life is also about sleep. It's about tenderness. It's about care. It's about expression. One thing I would really like us to look at is how full is your glass? If we want to make it um, more circular, think of it as a pizza pie. If it's a pizza, are we a full pizza or are we missing a piece of the pie? And have we used other things to fill up that, that aching hole? Lift the lid on what's going on at home. Have a look. Do you live equal to what's happening at home or is it very different? Do you have what's happening at home and what's happening elsewhere. But I don't want us to go without with feeling that, that it's a it's a difficult if it's a difficult first step. It isn't. We've got some hard decisions to make. But if we make them at a grassroots level, we don't need to wait for the nuclear bomb to go off, for us to be at war again, for an earthquake or a flood or a terrorist attack to bring us together. We don't need to wait until someone gets raped that we know someone commits suicide. In fact, does not commit suicide, that's such an, an awful expression, that they take their life, that they feel suicide is the only answer. We don't need to wait to hear that someone died in their house and was waiting for three days to find their body. Let's not live in isolation. Let's care about the people in our community. We have to want to see what's happening in the world. We really do. In our country, in our state, in our town, in our village, in our community, in our church, in our club, in our school, in our group, in our home, in our family, in our relationship, in our individual lives. See how they're all related. All a reflection from the microcosm to the macrocosm to dedicate ourselves, to commit ourselves to planting seeds that will then grow into a harvest that will support us to live with a consistency that can then support others. Love is my truth. It's what I know we're all from. It's what I know we're all made of. And I will nurture it as my loving way in my life for me and my family. Trying really hard not to impose that. Really, really hard. And the caveat that I try really hard, but sometimes I don't succeed. Um, you know, that I have a commitment to the strength and consistency to maybe change what's around me in the world. Thank you for walking beside me. Thank you for listening. And I really hope that you too have the expression printed somewhere so that you can see, if not me, then who? If not now then when? And evil happens because good men stand by and do nothing. As we reflect on the show that we've had today, 
um, it's always pertinent to remind ourselves that whatever has or is happening in our lives, we are and always will be us. We will constantly learning, but underneath in our essence, we're amazing. And the key is to reconnect to that space and learn to build a body that's trying to tell us if something's not quite right and then seek support with the appropriate support service, be that mental or physical health. By listening and responding, we can build tools to address what we do not yet feel equipped to manage because, of course, most likely we do have the skills, we just don't have the confidence to apply them. Look for support in the community. It is there. And so open up to that support and learn to trust it again. That way we don't wait for life to come to us. We take ourselves to life and we be the change we want to see. Remember, if not me, then who? If not now, then when? Decency and respect, the foundation of everything. Till next week's show, be kind, be caring, be love, be all of you. You've been listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM.